I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. And it is a treat. It's a communal treat. It's a connective treat. It is such a treat to have with us here today. Inspiring our wanderlust, inspiring us into deeper levels of community, deeper levels of consciousness. Jeff Krasno, how are you there, brother? All right, Amran. Nice to be with you. Thanks. Your uh, your audience will have to get used to balancing my relatively laborious monotone with your absolutely effusive <laughs> inspiration. So we'll, we'll balance, we'll balance think, each other out well. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to love the depth of the world with which you share your insights from, mate. I have no, <laughs> no, no doubts about any of that. For those tuning in to Jeff for the first time, guys, he co-founded Wonderlust, more recently founded Commune Media. If uh, you haven't heard of Commune, uh, I'd politely ask you, where have you been in the podcasting space? Why have you not listened to this podcast? It is one of my favorites. The guest speakers that feature on it are actually teachers um, within the Commune platform, teaching amazing things that are very forward thinking for what I believe the inspired evolution for tomorrow for all of us is actually um, calling in. So the platform is dedicated to online learning and personal and societal well-being. And we'll tune in today to Jeff's perspective on how those two things potentially are 
the two sides to the same coin. He's written books, Find Your True Fork, Wonderlust, Communion, and uh, he hosts the Commune podcast itself. Uh, podcast itself. Um, and the podcast is dedicated to the practices that actually help people come together to live healthy, purposeful lives, not too dissimilar to what's happening here at the Inspired Evolution on a glorious scale. Jeff, thank you so much for doing this, man. Mm. It's such a pleasure to have you. Nice. Yeah. Nice to be with you. And thanks for getting up so early in the morning and yet being so energized. It's an inspiration just in and of itself. <laughs> what do they say? Hashtag worth it. <laughs> so let's, let's just take off right there. It's this, this, this perspective that you have, which is, you know, that personal and societal health are two sides to the same coin. Hmm. It seems there's, there's many perspectives which people can come to that with, right? So on one hand, some may say, myself not included in that camp, but I will ask the question nonetheless. Some may say that isn't that a bit, um, I don't want to say self-indulgent, but a bit easy. Like, do you know what I'm like, trying to like, you know, just, oh, I'll just focus on myself and surely I can just trust that that'll make society better. Can you answer that a little bit? Yeah, it's... um. It's a tricky question. And uh, I think, you know, well-being has certainly been portrayed and certainly commodified within the parentheses of the individual uh, over the last 15 or 20 years, particularly, you know, I look at the kind of efflorescence of yoga and mindfulness in the West. Um, and it's generally, you know, punctuated by kind of optimal performance or, uh, you know, anywhere kind of Peak a, performance. On a, <laughs> yeah, on the, on the spectrum from, you know, six pack abs to, um, you know, optimal performance, et cetera. And those are our very kind of individual goals. Mm. Um, and, you know, that seems to undermine some of the, um, you know, principles of these modalities that are obviously millennia old um you know yoga just itself it's sanskrit definition or translation to mean union mm. um so you know and you can interpret that in a whole variety of different ways but certainly you know union with yourself union with your higher spirit union with nature but certainly union with others and in terms of meditation or mindfulness, particularly within the Buddhist context, the whole goal to the degree that there is a goal to meditation, and we could talk about that, mm. but is the realization of the non-self that we actually live within a matrix or what Buddha dubbed Indra's net and mm. a, a, a web, if you will, constantly expanding to infinity. Yeah. Uh, at each juncture of that web is a crystalline diamond or, no. or a water droplet yeah. that reflects all of the other droplets. And this idea of dependent origination or mutual interdependence uh, seems also to be, to be supported by <clears throat> modern physics, but, um, but is, a, uh, is something that I think we tend to overlook in our hyper-individualistic you know, societies that are, um, that, are, uh, that are often, you know, where we often coronate these ideas of individual accomplishment, you know, mm. how much wealth do you have? What kind of car do you have? What kind of house do you have? You know, what kind of what job do you have? Yeah. What job do you have? What's the, you know, your societal role. Mm. So, you know, I think 
you know, when you, when you commodify a practice and you bring it into that setting, um, a highly capitalistic individualistic setting, you know, it's very easy for that to, uh, for well-being essentially to get co-opted into the, into, into individualism. But, you know, I, I think that, um, yes, there are people that are going deeper into their practices and, and finding, um, the, um, that substrate of connectivity or communion community or communion that underwrites mm. a lot of these, um, a lot of these modalities. But I do think that there's also the application of some of these things to oneself does translate into, um, into societal health. Mm. So for example, um, you know, if you look at um, just physiological health, yes. the health of, of the organism, mm-hmm. um, to the degree that we can start to adopt behaviors and practices that, uh, that prevent disease mm-hmm. within our own organism and elongate health span, not mm-hmm. just lifespan, but um, that actually has significant knock-on impacts in the world around us. Mm-hmm. First of all, we're not spending the last 20 years of our lives uh, you know, infirmed or taking a Hooked cocktail of, you know, yeah. Yeah, or with a cocktail of pharmaceuticals. We're not relying, and someone has to obviously pay for that. Mm. So if we keep going on the track right now in the United States, anyways, where we are with chronic disease, it'll just, it'll essentially bankrupt the entire country. And we spent mm. $4 trillion on sick care, for example, yeah. um, and almost no resources on subsidizing organic food or regenerative farming that would essentially have the impact of preventing disease mm. um, and, and instead of just treating the symptoms of disease. So, um, and then you think of all of the, um, the knock-on impacts as it pertains to family and community when people are sick. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, being able to adopt a lot of these behaviors, whether that's, you know, adopting a meditation practice to lower stress and cortisol levels, or to increase the ability to thoughtfully respond instead of reactively, um, Mm. you know, uh, or or be reactive, or, you know, other kinds of behaviors as it pertains to food or Mm. community, these have massive impacts both on a personal and and a societal um, level. So, and then, you know, there's, then there's a little bit more of a kind of bespoke component to this, you know, conversation where, um, you know, that has to do with sort of new fields of study that are just fascinating, like around sociogenomics, for example, like uh, the, the relationship and the conversation that we're having right now Mm. as 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 people absolutely completely present for each other in a conversation mm. well that is actually having kind of a, a an epigenetic effect on each of us and on people hopefully that are listening and mm-hmm. resonating um mm. where uh, essentially you know their genes are being expressed in a particular way such mm. that the right kinds of proteins are transcribed and the right kind of neuromodulators are created essentially to create, um, you know, more healthy, 
uh, a more healthy environment. We so. can't talk about this. This is the insidious part of what we do. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Little do you know, we're upgrading your gene expression on this uh, in this conversation. It's the inspired evolution. We're here to help you commune. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's kind of whether we like it or not. Yeah. We're in the web. Yeah. You know, we're we're in, we're mutually interconnected. Totally. There's no way around it. Mm -hmm. um and so we're either going to get with that mm -hmm. and um you know or we're going to try to isolate yeah. uh, but the more that we become isolated um, and the more that we become alienated from each other from ourselves from our work from nature from any sense of spirit or divine mm -hmm. um then we begin to you know look for inappropriate substitutes around us to address our unhappiness or our perceived efficiencies or our discontents. And, you know, that's what leads people to myriad forms of addiction. You know, mm. once we start looking outside um, some of these uh, tried and true forms of connection, we end up drinking or taking drugs or gambling or porn or sex or sugar or tech or whatever any you know fill in the blank um addiction that seems to all point upstream to this to a disconnectedness or alienation do you feel and obviously i've researched your work so i kind of know but leading question um quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 40 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That those exact points of disconnection that you're talking about is potentially what capitalism tries to capitalize on. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, can you tell us you more about that? Because yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you point. can't turn your head at least, you know, I live up in the canyon in Los Angeles. So I'm a, a little bit sheltered from it. But just, you know, mm. five minutes down the road, you know, you can't help but turn your head to see absolutely enormous images. Yeah, billboards <laughs> uh, and yeah, billboards yeah. and whatnot. Of course, they're also popping up um, on every, you know, device yeah there um, you scroll yeah <laughs> yeah with the sole purpose of essentially convincing you that you are not enough that you have some form of deficiency mm. um and then marketing trinkets and 
bits and bobs and services and products to to assuage that feeling of not enoughness mm-hmm. and um so essentially you know capitalism for all of its wonders and all of its positives and we can mm-hmm. you know extol its virtues as well for bringing tremendous amount of people out of poverty mm-hmm. but it, it also plays on individualism it plays on our worst instincts mm-hmm. of essentially feeling like a separate self and and judging oneself not through one's own eyes but through the eyes of others mm-hmm. such that you become what you have or what you do or what you own, or your role in society, etc. And um, really, what it does, is that it underwrites a loneliness that you have with yourself. And, um, and then of course, what are your options? Well, you look around. And um, well, you don't have to look around, it finds you you're bombarded Mm. um, with the exact things that, that um you know via artificial intelligence and you know algorithms that know where you feel like you're insufficient yeah Yeah. it it bombards you with these kinds of services and of course you know you consume them um and it gives you sort of a momentary feeling of relief Mm. um but we don't love what we have Mm. that's an issue We're always loving something that seems to be glittering out there on the horizon. And, um, and we can chase that thing um, in the pursuit of contentedness and serenity and happiness. But I will tell you from ex- personal experience, the moment that we, you know, cut open the box and remove the ribbon, there mm-hmm. is another shiny object on the horizon. <laughs> and, uh, and off you go on the hedonic treadmill once again. <laughs> um, uh, hedonic hamster wheel. <laughs> and, uh, and the hedonic treadmill, it yeah. works on a renewable energy source. It never <laughs> stops. Um, and, uh, and so, mm. you know, you can ask yourself one way to sort of assuage my, or to address my uh, pursuit of happiness is to continue mm. to chase things that appear glittering on the horizon. Mm. The other way is to actually stop and reflect on loving what you already have. Mm. But but that doesn't fit um, the growth equation of capitalism. Of, of capitalism. Yeah. So you know we, we have to find. I mean, I'm I'm a capitalist. You know, so I've certainly benefited from you know some of the uh, collateralisms of of capitalism mm. but uh we get to a point um where we just continually look looking for external agents mm. uh to uh to be happy and uh and that's an endless um that's an endless treadmill as we've discussed yeah there is <laughs> there is not enough bandwidth that we can afford <laughs> to what you just shared which is love what we have to love what we have you know um it's interesting because what's just sort of sort of trickling around in the back of my head is your own journey with you know having co-founded wonderlust and sort of 
the connotations that precipitate in the mind around wanderlust is, you know, going out there and exploring the world and seeing what's available. And then, you know, now feeling into what you've created with, or, you know, founded in, in commune. And it seems much more inward facing, even though wanderlust for those tuning in that have experienced it, it's all about integrative modalities, right. That actually help you find deeper parts of yourself. So they're not too dissimilar, but even just in the, the tight, Titleology. I just moved up a word, but even mm. just the titling mm. of the two things, I think it's. Do you reflect on your own journey in that a little bit? Kind of going, you know, the the outwards coming back in and communing. Like, is there? Yeah, yeah, certainly the. Um, as I yeah take inventory over the taxonomy, I suppose of my own life. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, wanderlust for me. I mean, there was a play uh in the word you know certainly there was the innate desire to travel this kind of mm. notion that we're curious and we want to go yeah. out and experience and see the world and there's a lot of good reason for that i mean mm. obviously we want to understand culture we want to understand other peoples and other languages and other mm. traditions and rituals and there's a lot to learn from each other in that regard and um so i think that there's a time and a place Mm. you know to to travel and explore um but you know mostly that was a there was a metaphor there is that that mirroring that external exploration was an internal journey mm. uh, sort of been a curiosity um for your own soul mm -hmm. um and asking some of the seminal questions of you know who am i and why am i here and what's my purpose etc mm. um and uh, and I think that the wanderlust sort of encapsulated both sides of that journey. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you know, as I kind of assess the world right now, and certainly um, you know, try to get my my arms around um, you know globalism, mm -hmm. uh, essentially all of the prescient issues. And, um, you know, whether they're globalism or, you know, climate crisis, um, et cetera, uh, you know, yeah, I have, um, I have come to a place in my own life where, you know, I certainly appreciate the local and the mm -hmm. communal and mm -hmm. the importance of knowing one's neighbor and mm -hmm. knowing one's neighbor's neighbor um you know versus a kind of perpetual quest for you know followers that might exist ten thousand miles away mm. um and it, you know there's this wonderful verse of the Tao, um the Tao Te Ching i'm speaking of mm. at the end i think it's the 80th or the perhaps the last verse 81st verse maybe the 80th where you know, Lao Tzu talks about um, the perfect society. Mm. And, uh, you know, the perfect society is a society that knows its neighbors, but never necessarily has to go there. Mm. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I encourage everyone to actually read the verse because it's, you know, gracefully and simply written with a profound wisdom that is so characteristic of that book mm. um and uh and yeah i mean you know when i look at 
what technology and globalism have done kind of in tandem, they've created this very, very flat world mm. with sort of spikes at the edges. Mm -hmm. So um, I heard, I can't remember where, but like maybe on Barry Weiss's podcast or something where, you know, you can walk into an Airbnb and it could be in Boston, Berkeley, or, you know, Bengal or mm. any place with a B anywhere really um and, and see and find the same macrame wall hanging <laughs> in the living room um and of course you know this was just uh yeah sort of a silly metaphor to you know just just describe sort of the ever flattening of the world where you know all we have are kind of like huge media conglomerates mm -hmm. or all we have are cash crops corn and soy and rice um mm -hmm. but at the expense of all of the other vast broad biodiversity that we could have or all we have are humans chickens pigs and cattle at the expense of all of the other species that we continue to lose every single day so you know when you start to look at you know society becomes this kind of very 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 flat kind of experience with kind of these spikes at the edges and mm. really like what we want what we truly crave is this kind of very bushy society with this kind of society that i mean in a two-dimensional space looks like a bell curve where you have a lot mm. of distribution of wealth mm. in the middle and not at the edges you know, yeah. you don't have a rich class of 0.001% with all of the money and this massive, and then a big flat line and then this massive mm -hmm. spike of, of, of disenfranchised people. No, you have a bell curve, you have a distribution. And, you know, when in this country, I mean, anyways, in the United States, well, we've lost, you know, and this is a little bit um, oh, cliche, I suppose, at this juncture, but we, we've lost is that, um vibrant vivacious main street of our towns mm. and cities where mm. you have like the local coffee shop and the local yeah. bakery and the, the, the bustle the vibe and, yeah, yeah the local jazz club and the local mm. newspaper and everything you know you have this kind of passion for these things because they're all of these kind of small businesses with mm. you know people that are deeply connected to them it's mm -hmm. not you know amazon and walmart yeah. and, you know whatever but of course we're so um you know we love globalism because it gives us you know next day so delivery <laughs> so much cheap stuff um so yeah so you know it's like when i you know to kind of go back to the original um you know discussion topic you know yeah I do think, you know, Wanderlust is interesting going out and kind of exploring, conquering the world, if you will. Mm. Um, you know, it's a young person's game, if you will. <laughs> uh, but I do think that, you know, what the world sort of very much needs right now is, is more, more community, yeah. more, a, a greater communal sense where it's like, you know, where your food came from. And you know the farmer that grew it. And you know your local representative or select person or mayor. And you're invested in the issues that have mm. the actual most impact on the, your life and your neighbor's lives. 
And, um, you know, we're so far away from that, you know, mm -hmm. all we can hear about and read about is Trump still in this country. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. yeah, you know, I get it. He running that article on Fox or CNN, you know, maximizes clicks and it leverages human negativity bias and, you know, for mm. the sake of selling ads. I get the, I get the media model. I understand. <laughs> and the but it's like, yeah. <laughs> the motives behind it but it's like we really just need to kind of again rediscover <laughs> each other yeah 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 rediscover each other i love that and so from there i have to tune into you know it's interesting actually hearing what the the sentiment that was dropping in for me was um yeah uh, that there's a there's this quote i'm probably going to butcher it in classic emirate fashion but um you know it was I was smart, so I ventured to change the world. And then, you know, I became wise and I ventured to change myself, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And, yeah, I, I, I definitely couldn't have you on today without asking what community really looks like and means like means to you. Um, because it's – and I'll, I'll actually prephrase this with a little bit because five years of podcasting, I've had a lot of, touch wood, interesting conversations. And – Jeff, it's, 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 I don't want to say blindsided me, but that's probably the only word that really fits. It, it kind of, it pops in every now and then out of nowhere, which is like, you'll be talking about mental health issues. You'll be talking about global pandemics. You'll be talking about um, climate change issues. You'll be talking about behavioral science, psychology, soil health. You'll be talking about all these different things due to the nature of the inspired evolution podcast right multifaceted not too dissimilar to what communes up to but also it just this 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 echo of like community is an antidote keeps sort of like and it's like if you're listening you, you just hear it every now and then in the sentimentality of like and it's every few episodes it's like yep community and i was like what that problem over there about anxiety community that problem about depression community the problem about how we're treating the environment community and it's like wait like what is this like what are we that estranged first of all second of all like what is what is community and i love the fact that you're here today with you know standing in commune with commune what does community mean to you and yeah i know the conversation we're having is multifaceted because of potentially some of the background of you know what community has precipitated for me to be the antidote of but i'm sure it's similar for you but yeah, what does community mean to you yeah, well, community is a central pillar of health, mm. period. Um, and it interplays with the other pillars of health. Mm. So one of the best indicators of your own metabolic health, for example, is who you're friends with. Mm. Um, I mean, not only do you share their microbiome generally, Mm. Um, and that's a whole discussion, but yeah. you hold each other accountable. You have the same habits. You have the same, uh, often the same kind of dietary proclivities. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, community plays a part in every single element of how you might define health, whether that's movement, nutrition, restoration, or purpose. So you can either go, you can analyze all of those. I mean, central to purpose is mm. community, is relationships. 
Mm -hmm. work is also central. And to some degree, your own personal suffering is is central. Mm. Um, And that's a whole, that'll take us down a whole nother wormhole. But that was very much kind of along Viktor Frankl's thesis of what provides purpose in one's own life. Um, But, you know, when you get into the absolute substrate that Mm. community provides within a society, you know, you don't have to look far to see, you know, what are the concomitant um, impacts of it or what the impacts of are when you have a disintegrating community. Mm. So in a, in a, in a community that's degrading, what you have is a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. So you have abuse, you have neglect, you have um, all sorts of forms of instances and events that induce a sense of trauma within the individual, mm-hmm. you know, particularly at a young age where connection is absolutely central to one's sense of well-being. Um, and without that form of connection and in trauma, what we begin to do as individuals is disassociate. Mm. So we disassociate with ourselves, we become alienated from ourselves. And then what do we do? Well, we look outside ourselves once again to find that sense of connection. So Mm. the absence of community means drug abuse. It means overconsumption Mm -hmm. of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it means addiction of mm-hmm. all sorts. So, you know, you have, you know, our Surgeon General in the United States, Vivek Murthy, who wrote a book about this. And he's like, the number one epi- epidemic in the United States is loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we're lonely, these are the, these are the avenues that we, uh, that we have available to us. I mean, we just, you know, the numbers came out again this year, or for 2021, there was over 100,000 overdose deaths from opioids in this country. Well, that is directly connected to community. Yeah. Or in this case, the, the disintegration of community, which has fostered a sense of alienation and loneliness. Mm. Mm. So, um, so, you know, and then there's just the the notion of cooperation that ex- that emerges from community. So when you're in real life community, um, real life community has a tremendous um, expansiveness or tolerance, I should say, mm. for disagreement, <laughs> uh, for a multiplicity of opinions. Yeah. But of course, what we have right now is fake community. We have mm. social media community, which mm-hmm. fosters exactly the opposite. The opposite, yeah. So when we're actually in communion with each other, it's mm. very difficult to hate. Yeah. It's very difficult to um, to stand at the extreme. Mm-hmm. So community tends to moderate. It mm. tends to foster compromise and garner or or bring about a uh, a sense of cooperation mm. and um and 
and, you know, disagreement without being disagreeable. And, you know, we've never accomplished anything as a species without cooperation. In <laughs> fact, it's, you know, every important thing we've ever done as a species is predicated on this ability to cooperate um, flexibly at yeah. scale. At scale, yeah. yeah. And this is what community, you know, provides. I mean, mm. when we are within a communal setting, there is an inter, at least a, an intersubjective understanding for what is true. Mm. So, of course, this is a huge issue right now because, you know, all in the world of like alternative facts, yeah, when news. when we've had kind of the dis this sort of disintegration of um any sort of notion of intersubjective truth or fact mm. or things that we can agree on well how can one establish cooperation within that environment i mean you can't mm. so you know and the tricky part of all of this is that you know the means that we have at, at our disposal are the means that got us into this mess mm. <laughs> and so um, you know, so much of commune in, and is, and not just commune, I will say, um, is in many ways rediscovering many of these practices and modalities and ways of living that are old and mm. that are true. Yeah. Um, because they stood know, the test of time in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we look at, you know, what we sometimes um portray as you know newfangled ideas yoga <laughs> meditation um you know community or even like certain diets that get called yeah. like paleo or whatever <laughs> um but just even notions of like regenerative farming or organic food i mean these mm. the fact that we've had to rename them again is sort of hilarious because yeah. these are the way that the things naturally natural are. order natural order. yeah yeah and i think that that's actually it is actually becoming attuned mm. to the course of nature mm-hmm um, and that, of course, is what the Tao is, is mm -hmm. skillfully uh, imbuing or stepping into the river of nature and being able to sort of skillfully apply the rudder. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you, because I find this in my own life, um, looking inwards, that Oftentimes I don't know what my edges are until I've swung the pendulum too far out and hit an edge and then gone, oh, unhealthy, <laughs> you know, and then it'll yeah. swing back in and then it's like, oh, okay. And then sometimes it swings on both ends till I finally find a little bit more equilibrium. Yeah. Would you, and it doesn't have to be yes or no, I'm just curious to sort of feel into your perspective on this. Um, would you feel like, society's doing a bit of that pendulum swinging at the moment like are we pretty far out and would you ascribe that sort of behavior potentially to what's going on like because I, mm. I agree with you it feels like we're we're out at some really drastic edges here yeah i'm, I'm not sure i would use the image of the pendulum per yeah. se i would might be use the image of a fraying shoelace you know if you've mm. ever had one where you pull the ends of it and it's Ooh. like yeah the middle gets uh, precariously thread-like yeah. um yeah. and so i would say yes you know we are headed um 
you know, with full acceleration towards the thinnest edges of the branches, if you will, mm. um, you know, that we are becoming a society of extremes. Mm. Um, and, uh, um, and again, that kind of speaks to that image of the flat world, you know, mm -hmm. with the spikes at the, at the edges. Yeah. Um, and, um, and there's very, very little middle ground. There's very little, you know, um, middle way, if you will. Yeah. And, uh, and this, this is a very, um, this is a very dangerous, uh, predicament, um, because while, uh, and there's some kind of like Newtonian physics to mm. it, it's like one action begets an equal and opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, abolish the police, you know, that in this country, not to get overly political, but like, mm. you know, that sort of extreme position on one side, well, that would only beget sort of like replacement theory on the other side and, and mm. push out and out and out and out and out and out and out. Mm. And this is um, a kind of unfortunately the invective um, that we seem to be mired in at the moment versus a, a, a more um, like as a natural part of life, you know, there will be opposites. Mm. I mean, the, the emergence or the arising of opposites, of mm -hmm. course, the Chinese built many philosophies around this. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it is a natural course of nature, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, but in the natural world, there is, you know, an underlying foundational intelligence Synergy. that manages yeah. that, yeah, that manages to bring opposites mm -hmm. into uh, an asymmetrical, very sensitive order. Mm -hmm. It's never perfect, mm -hmm. but um, uh, but there is a but nature and it, in its wisdom is always pulling opposites towards a place of coherence of tenuous balance mm. but when you impede upon nature mm. when you uh when you move against it when you swim upstream mm. or when you um like what we've you know done let's say with uh with how we approach energy mm. um you know well then you know then you've disrupted this uh this natural flow or this natural intelligence um that brings things into coherence. So you, you, you push things very, very out, far out to the edges. And I, you know, I think that that's where we are now. Now it's not the only time in over the course of history mm. that there's been kind of extremes, you know, certainly mm -hmm. there have been plenty of other examples that one can point to. I just, you know, there does seem to be very high stakes. Yeah, the consequences. The, <laughs> the consequences yeah. is yeah. I mean, at least for from an anthropocentric view of the world, the stakes are high. Aren't they? Um, yeah. Um, but we, I guess not just for you know mankind. I mean, also for um, you know for species and biodiversity yeah. in general. So yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to feel into what the. Um, yeah, what the responsibility of the individual um, can can pertain to, because it's 
the 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 rub between almost like the collective sort of blind eyingness that we witness at mass scale and i found it really intriguing what you were sharing before about just the subtlety of how difficult it is to disagree with someone in person you know it's like those conversations in face to face are tough conversations to have but online it's 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 easy to throw the spear across the bin the keyboard you know it's just like a whack um and just like you know the the turning of the blind eye when more and more of us is existing potentially in these digital spaces rather than this integrated organic matter world and where it's yeah it's all sort of like and i'm really precipitating for me at the moment in this conversation the escapism that that online space really potentially is from the groundedness and some of the issues that we have on a local global um scale um the thoughts about what it is that potentially keeps us in this mass sort of aversion from what is calling us home to community because i do notice that there are there are people soaking up commune obviously has a massive following online there are more and more people that are recognizing the awareness of the important conversations that you're having and then integrating that back into their lives into the day-to-day into the 3d um so there is a soaking up like i'm saying the word resurgence but there are people that are awake to that conversation um but then there are still there is still that sort of blind eyingness on a mass scale towards some of that how do you reconcile those two do you think there is a reconciliation underfoot do you think more and more people are waking up to the pillar of health that is community that you mm-hmm. is there hope is there optimism or is it yeah where do you find yourself in that conversation yeah i mean i think there's always optimism i mean <laughs> cool <laughs> and and um i mean it, the reality of what it's like to be me is mm. optimistic because the people the you know the the angels that i wish to appear in my life are there mm. <laughs> just because uh, um by the nature of just kind of what i do um so i might have a skewed almost vision of reality just because mm. uh, uh my community is, is very very strong and full of just absolutely inspirational brilliant people that i i I'm so fortunate to be with all the time. Um, mm. So that keeps kind of me optimistic, but, um, but anytime, you know, I get out of my kind of solipsistic bubble, um, which is, you know, I try to do because, you know, I, I need to connect with the human condition outside of just what my own subjective experience is of it. Mm. It's, it's like a big mean cold wet slap in the face um and i do think people um are really really craving community and connectedness and Mm -hmm. so yes there um i i absolutely see that and i see that there is a a method um by which we can help to create and foster greater sense of community um, that, and I'm not a Luddite. I mean, I, I feel like we can leverage technology in, an, mm. in a very important way, um, but in a way that enables people within their local place. And that's always been my great dream with Commune, 
Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of unpack that a tiny bit. Like, please take your time. John, Bring it to him. Yeah. John Maynard Keynes has this wonderful quote that I came across maybe a year, year and a half ago. I'll probably um, kind of slightly butcher it, but um, I believe it's something along the lines of it's easier to ship recipes than cakes and biscuits. <laughs> and um, no. in a way, I think that, you know, commune, at least my small part, my small mm. contribution to the world is being able to, uh, to use digital infrastructure to ship recipes, mm. not cakes and biscuits. Yeah. But what we, we need to do is be able to ship the recipes such that there are more local bakers, if you will. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I look at models like TED and TEDx or like AA, for example, yeah. which have kind of centralized principles, but very kind of decentralized hubs, um, hubs and decision making and, um, and power structures, etc., as, as good models for local community building mm -hmm. around kind of centralized ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we've built this community network on the commune platform um, that has people that have people, you know, in virtually every country around the world. Um, and they have technology um, available to them to connect with other people that they can actually geolocate, you know, within five or 10 miles. So if, you know, my ultimate vision for uh, this, of course, you know, there's a lot of chopping of wood and carrying of water along the way, but is being able to, you know, provide essentially the recipes, very clear, um, you know, modalities for health across nutrition and movement and restoration and community building and purpose work and social impact, et cetera, provide those thought leaders that can deliver that information then provide very clear kind of toolkits for social organization and community building, mm. and then decentralize that process such that people can create community around ideas, um, these salient impression ideas um, on their own, in their own communities, mm. where they can create continuity and, um, and safe space and, and, you know, vibrant, decentralized you know organizations etc um, and that can start very simply of like oh yeah you know here's a bit about um you know healthy metabolism now you somewhere across the world can organize someone you know a small group in your local yoga studio and local church or wherever and have a discussion around these mm -hmm. kind of these ideas that can then um, kind of proliferate within smaller communities. So these ideas of small circles, um, I think there are, there are many out there. Uh, and I see it as a, as a very, very powerful uh, mechanism for change. Um, and certainly, you know, as commune grows, I'll be able to focus more of my time um, in that direction. Fostering that, yeah, I love that. And I would love to hear the insights um... Is the community building toolkit something that's precipitating over time, or is it something that is is something that um, is there? Like, what do you? Yeah, yeah, with? we've used this off-the-shelf platform called Mighty Networks. There's a woman named Gina Bianchini that built essentially a 
um, a platform for community called mm. Mighty Networks um, yep. that um, that's sort of a replacement in some ways for for Facebook, you know, without yep. the algorithms and and ads, um, mm. etc. And uh, and you know, we've used that to some great effect um, in terms of wiring our own community around, you know, with people mm. with shared passions and interests and whatnot. So that's kind of how we're leveraging that particular platform mm -hmm. is kind of in service of this vision to build this kind of, you know, decentralized uh, community model around centralized uh, or fluency around centralized ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so that that's, that's thus far, mm. at least the tool that I've been using. And there's, yeah. I mean, they, they've done a great job. Um, building out all sorts of facets of that tool. So, mm. um, so yeah. Yeah. As you're sharing the, um, yeah, the, the inspired evolution podcast, part of what it was birthed out of was every alternate Friday, I would have people come over to my home and, uh, it's interesting actually in this conversation, a lot of it's very poignant, um, community, um, I actually gave up alcohol it's interesting just i can really feel in this conversation that reconnection to self and the disconnection and sort of the alienation and the external like it's never really been that um like i was aware that i made a shift but i wasn't aware of the connection piece in that shift um i was only precipitating in this conversation thanks to the space that we're holding here thank you um yeah the the disconnection so i disconnected from alcohol and then but i still wanted to socialize and friday night drinks was this thing that i was just it was my favorite kind of hobby on the you know and okay. so every every alternate friday i decided i was just going to brew a pot of chai and i didn't think about this too much it was just indian so i was like chai would be great but then Chai actually tried actually was the perfect recipe to attract the exact kind of people that I wanted, which I, <laughs> right. I didn't even realize, right? And every fortnight I would just brew chai and the premise was chai chats and community and we would just sit in a mm. circle. Um, the only real rule was, you know, um, we'd all sit on the same level. Like there was no really like up, down, you know, like chai if you can, which I'll just sit on like in my living room, just scattered everywhere, but just in a circle if we could and just share, you know, and yeah i for the life of me when i first it was kind of daunting you know thinking about inviting people to my home but i had this moment of inspiration I was like, i'm just do it and just you know and the first one there was two people the next one there was one person and it sort of grew you know and there was like 20 25 people every fortnight mm. sort of rocking up to my home just to shoot the shit on philosophy spirituality what it means to be a good human a good citizen you know and nice. it's it is really intriguing to sort of see and that was actually the birthplace of the podcast where people were coming over and they're like these conversations are great but i want to get them out further mm. and um you know it was like okay sure you know it was like eventually yeah. now you've done the man. recipes <laughs> yeah well, you're, this is... you're making the the cakes and biscuits yeah. every every two weeks and, <laughs> and sharing sharing the recipe which well, is yeah that's it it's fascinating yeah. to feel into what it can do for us because and you know it's it's very poignant because that is actually the space that gave birth to the podcast which gave birth to the space within me to make drastic career shifts in my life you know um and yeah like i'm aware of that transition but in this conversation like i'm trying to you know speak to the poignancy of how it's all really landing in and just the depth of which community can really transform 
through the power of leveraging our relationships, really. And I think what I'm hearing is, the, like, we are wired for human connection, <laughs> right? Like, we really are. And it's almost like leveraging relationships to create those shifts and transformations for our purpose, for our career, for our work, for our society, for our planet. Yeah, I think part of it is getting clear on what is real and what is an abstraction. Mm. So, you know, we all just want to be loved, right? Anyone would say that. I mean, mm -hmm. with the exception of some small group. But um, so how do we pursue that love? Well, you know, we become very kind of connected to some forms of abstraction that are, that are then we think somehow are going to get us there. Mm. Oh, well, you know, I'll make enough money. So I'll be able to, you know, have enough of a nice house. So then, you know, someone will love me and I'll be able to start my family or whatever it happens to be, you know, um, or, you know, that, you know, we want to be happy. So what do we do? Well, we kind of chase this abstraction in order to kind of come back here to, mm. you know, what might already just be right at our disposal, hidden in plain sight. So we want to be loved. We want that connection. So, I mean, what you've done is sort of cut through the abstraction, cut through the fray and just invited a bunch of people over to your house. <laughs> and then there, and then you've had it you know, there it is. Mm. Um, and, and so in some ways, you know, this is where meditation can be so helpful because, you know, meditation is really a process in discovering what is real mm. and what is an abstraction. What kind of, what is this mm. veil that sits on top of what is real? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think this this is like obviously it's just such a personal um, quest and challenge for every individual. Mm. Um, but you know the, the degree to which you can um, kind of eschew all of those externalities mm. and just go right to the thing that is most real. Um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of fulfillment in that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, you know, it's hard to live that way all the time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so then, you know, this is the challenge this is, you know, we meditate um, to in the quest of discovering what is real. And then, you know, the byproduct of that experience or of that commitment, that practice is that, you know, your life becomes punctuated with these moments that are real. Mm. And the more that that happens, the more real your life gets mm. to, the, to the point where, like, all of a sudden, you've shed all of that, those skins of, you know, all those cloaks of identity and everything. And, you know, you're just, you're just 100% there. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, but this is the great U-turn one must make in one's life, you know, like, <laughs> and um, sort of the unknowing, unknowing process. Mm -hmm. 
but you know i'm i'm similar to you you know in in so far that i you know i have a location for commune um mm. up in topanga so it's this kind of sprawling 10 acre property that used to be neil young's place um back mm. in the 70s or at least that's the that's the folklore behind it <laughs> and um that's the draw <laughs> and yeah every weekend you know we have 30 or 40 people that uh commune there mm -hmm. you know around some form of modality or teaching or teacher yeah. mm -hmm. um and uh and yeah it's the source of um an immense amount of gratification for me is to be able to have you know the scale of a a global audience it's mm -hmm. lovely and you get a lot of wonderful feedback from that but to be able then to go in and connect on a regular mm. basis um, with people that are all having an experience and yeah. to live in that live in that sonder for a moment <laughs> is, is a beautiful thing and even just the 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 poetry of just having like how good it is for our neurology to have dirt beneath our fingernails <laughs> you know yeah. when you start feeling into just like yeah it's what's real <laughs> you know it's like you're meant to have dirt beneath your fingernails <laughs> it's just like that simple sometimes the metaphors and they're just like staring us right right in the eyes yeah jeff yeah the the, you definitely carry a belief for a better tomorrow. I've heard you talk about the new enlightenment that is coming through for us. Like it's, and it's, you know, for me, and I might, I don't want to sound rude, but it's extolling the, the values of, of virtuous living um, and like real, like, a, and you mentioned this before, like the resurgence of, you know, these things that have tried and tested through time. Um, yeah, bringing home, bringing us back to a lot of these virtues. And I think the central one being community, a better tomorrow, what do you see um, as the potential for, well, I wanna say commune, but community, the world, like as a community, as a global community, what do you, like, I know that you said it is peppered with heavily in optimism and whether our biases play into that or not, what do you see um, for tomorrow? What is your version of an inspired evolution? Mm. Yeah, for me, I mean, to go back to your pendulum image, mm. I think that we have swung to a place of, uh, of kind of hyper individualism. Mm. Um, and I think that there is a much needed swing back to a sense of collectivism. And I don't mean collectivism in the sort of communistic economic theory sort of way. I mean, a sense of feeling part of something greater. And, um, you know, that has all sorts of implications. I mean, as a citizen, it means something as simple as paying your own share such that someone you don't know can get a proper education. I mean, that is its own definition of nationalism, actually. Um, nationalism doesn't have to be this kind of xenophobic, hyper-patriotic thing. Nationalism can be, I'm going to do my little share so someone else can have an opportunity. I mean, that's a, 
that's a society to thrive for, to strive for. Um, I think that, that there's also um, just in some of our systems and structures, ways that we can reorganize towards collective benefit instead of just individual treatment. So for example, even if you look in like healthcare, we have been so focused on, on this, um, on treating the symptoms of disease in an individual. So we will spend endless amounts of research money and endless amounts of kind of insurance coverage mm. on providing someone with like this new cancer therapy called CAR T, which is just mm. absolutely fascinating. Or, you know, multiple like quadruple bypass surgery for mm. cardiovascular disease. And these are um, these are treatments that are hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars, but they're all geared towards the individual. Mm. They're all geared towards, well, you got it now, mm. you know, if you can afford it, mm. well, we'll take care of it instead of a, a, an approach to broad collective health, mm. broad collective well-being, mm. where we actually take a step back and say, what is the society that we want to live in? Do we want a society that's riddled with disease and then we spend all of our time and all of our resources and all of our technology addressing the disease, or do we want a society that doesn't have disease? Mm. <laughs> you know? And mm. I, you know, the, you can step behind so many of these questions. I mean, right now in, in our country here in the United States, there is a tremendous debate going on around abortion. As you may have heard, it's probably all mm. over the international press. Our Supreme Court is about to go, uh, you know, backwards. You know, you know, 50 years, and um, and that's created a lot of justifiable fear. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, the question might be: Well, what could we do to create a society that would have less need for abortion? Mm. Well, one with less abuse. Mm. You know, one with less neglect. One with less more choice trauma. You yeah. know. So, you know, like one with less loneliness, mm. one with less addiction, mm. one with less drugs, one with less alcohol, you know, like, you know, what, you know, we, we need to move upstream mm. Um, mm. Yeah. And, uh, and examine the root causes of our pathologies. And, you know, that is a functional medicine metaphor, but we need to do that, you know, across every facet of our lives um, in a way that gives primacy to the collective and not just the individual. I mean, in our country, and you know, we have the Declaration of Independence, mm. which is like our, you know, this, this mythological founding <laughs> document, you know, you know, every country has, of course, you know, their, their story. Um, yeah. And, you know, for us, we've seemed to equate um, this notion of the pursuit of happiness mm. with, in, with the individual, with personal ownership, with what sits behind my white picket fence. Mm. 
you know, mm -hmm. and that is a, that is a, you know, there's a great delusion um, associated with that, that as a path to real happiness. Mm -hmm. What we really need to do is tear down all the picket fences, really. Mm -hmm. um, and, and step into a greater vision of ourselves as part of a mutually interdependent world and society. And, um, and that's really what commune is trying to do in its, in its own way. And we've spent a tremendous amount of time and effort trying to, you know, foster difficult conversation. Yeah. And we, we started this, um, this little project called make America purple. And so of course, here in the United States, we have our Democratic Party, which is associated with blue, and the Republican Party, red. which is associated with red. Yeah. And as we've talked about, you know, both you know entities seem to be careening towards the the edge of their collective cliffs. Mm. And so we're like, okay, well, is there a way to foster more direct conversation mm. instead of just you know leaving each group to to fester in their own echo chambers mm -hmm. so we started to we built this very very simple interface that says hey if you so if you identify as liberal enter your name here or if you identify mm -hmm. as conservative enter your name here mm -hmm. and all we do is we pair them up with a zoom link mm -hmm. to, um, <laughs> to, to foster to chat and then, <laughs> and then we have, and then we do a survey and we say, how, how did that go? Yeah. And, um, and it's just amazing. I mean, at the end of the day, very few people actually discuss the political issues that got them into it in the first place. Yeah, they're, right. they're like, oh yeah, yeah. My, my uncle lives in you know, <laughs> Michigan too, you know, and then all of a sudden, all of this, all the real human connection stuff yeah. starts to effervescently just like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, I did that. It, it kind of built out of, um, you know, what I, I was doing on my own, where kind mm -hmm. of over the summer of 2020, which was a very um, fraught mm -hmm. moment here in the United States, um, I started. Um, I was writing a, and I still do. I write a Sunday column that has a fairly significant distribution. And, and I mean, anytime you put something out to a lot of people every Sunday, you're bound to get people that <laughs> disagree with a turn of phrase, you know, here or there, mm -hmm. some quite vehemently. Um, so I started inviting th those people that were highly critical of me to have personal Zoom conversations with me mm -hmm. on, on Monday and Tuesday afternoons. And I did yeah. that kind of a, over the course of an entire summer that summer. I dedicated about four or five hours a week to having conversations with people that um, that disagreed with me explicitly mm, on something. Yeah, just one-on-one -on -one conversations, and uh, man, it was like an unbelievable experience for me. Um, because in the end, you know, I just like once I got on these calls with folks, um, you know, I discovered that really in the end, people just want to be heard. Yeah, they want to be seen, and yeah. um, they want to be able to share. And I've built a whole little Rolodex <laughs> of friends now yeah. that like text. You know, they text me, and they're like, and it's you know, it's very 
casual and sometimes mm. profane. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. very, very sweet of like, you know, people mm. on the complete other side of the political spectrum mm. or, you know, people of all kind of sexual orientations and colors and creeds and all this stuff, you know. And now I built this kind of community because at the end of the day, we realized when we were one-on-one -on -one that we shared way more than actually than... separated you man yeah. you've cultivated that bushiness that yeah. you were talking about the at the beginning yeah. <laughs> um, but i love that because it also extols the yeah the it takes cultivation it takes a minute to actually want to do something that isn't just hey check out my echo chamber you know like it's it actually mm. requires that i'm gonna spend four or five hours a week you disagree with me. Well, let's talk about it. And it's like, oh, I can't, we can't even get to that. <laughs> it's like, it's, we're talking about stuff that we both enjoy, you know? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was an amazing experience for me. Mm. I mean, the first 45 minutes were generally dominated by the person coming on and just telling me their entire life story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I got better at it over time where, you know, you just listen. And you'd provide um, you'd provide that space for someone to be seen. Yeah. And then I would just start to make notes around the things that we shared in common. Mm. And invariably, there was like four or five things. You know, oh yeah, I drove across country every summer too. Or like, mm. oh yeah, my dad grew up there too. And then you know, all of a sudden, you that would take you down these avenues. Mm. And and of course, yeah, as you say, this is where we find you know, all this shared common humanity and then mm. real communion and real connection. Um. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you, but I can feel I already know the answer to, you know, we, you talked about trying to catch things upstream and have you found community to be one of the most upstream ways of addressing things but i also know that of course you did <laughs> it's called commune for mm. a reason um i'd love to just being honoring in the time that i get to to be blessed to share with you here is um yeah affording people the opportunity to be seen and heard is you know community does that in un in quite a naturally graceful way on many different scales um even mm. just what you were sharing just then you know being in the community and allowing opposing views to be held heard and even just like you said you got better over time i've found podcasting to be an incredible gift i would be half the coach i was if it wasn't for podcasting mm. just being able to sit here and learning to listen is you know especially in a world that is consistently just bombarding output to be one to sort of go, yeah, I will receive input. Um, and how community also does that in its in its structures in many ways, you know, you find your place and it's almost like you're heard finally because you're accepted is like, this is who I always was meant to be. I remember one of the things that really, you know, meant a lot to me. I remember I went to Brazil, lived on a mountain for some time and there's this beautiful community of meditators that lived top of the mountain and I always had this passion for drumming but you know for the life of me it was just you know music mm -hmm. you know, we've all got our edges around things and uh I was in this process and they could see within me that I loved the drum 
even when it was just an inkling within me and I kind of knew it, but wouldn't even, but they could see it mm. and they fostered this and they sort of encouraged me and they allowed me to, you know, they would play some beautiful music and they allowed me to butcher their songs until I got it. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, keep going. And I was like, no, 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 I'm ruining it. And I was like, keep going. You know, it was this encouragement to sort of find yourself and find your place within the community. And I remember when I started to click with it and it started to, the the sentimentality in the space was like, he got it. And it wasn't even just my win, it was our win, you know, and just what that meant for me to be received and seen and heard mm. fully as my place within a tribe. You know, it's mm. it's a magical yeah, gift. It's a magical yeah. gift, Jeff. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I think, you know, there is a delineation between fitting in and belonging mm. i think you described um the features of belonging there where you're embraced and accepted by a group uh, in your own full authenticity um, without having to change or alter who you are which mm. uh would I, I suppose would be more of the definition of fitting in of always feeling like you need to change or alter something about yourself uh, um, for the sake of connection. And I suppose if there's anything uh, that we can do for each other is to create cultures of belonging uh, where people can be seen, where people can be heard, and we really give each other that opportunity um, for people to step into their their full potential and um and that's beautiful and it's rare and to the degree that we can all commit ourselves to creating that even for one person um well then we've given the world a great gift jeff i mean this sincerely and humbly with all my heart you have given the world a great gift through commune and the podcast as well and those that are tuning in please i do invite you to check it out if you're loving the inspired evolution podcast you're gonna love the commune by your life <laughs> <laughs> definitely um and there's some amazing courses as well um yeah you know one of my one of the ones i'm keen to check out is also the protein myth that recently came out with zach bush we had zach on the mm. podcast awesome dude really heart-centered nice. really down to earth literally soil health <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, the conversations you're having really do inspire my evolution. So I do invite the audience to check it out. And, you know, with all my heart, thank you so much for, for what you're fostering and creating, what you're holding space for in the world, Jeff. And I know it's not just today's conversation that we get to revel in. It's a lifetime's work that informs this. So thank you for your journey. And on behalf of the Inspired Evolution audience, myself and the tribe here, wishing you all the best in your journey. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here and doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, Please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. 
We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 